you have been cordially invited to the Eternal Slumber Party. start this episode right is it singing happy birthday to me because it's my birthday happy birthday to you happy birthday to you i'm not gonna sing the rest of the song because i always get embarrassed at this point but no it's honestly i hate the birthday song because what am i supposed to do who do i look at me just stare at me dead in the eyes gladly um yeah it's my birthday (laughs) it's your birthday I'm 27. You're a back I have now. no money, no prospects. I'm a burden to my parents, and I'm frightened. You literally, right before I pushed the record button, said the exact opposite. But since it's your birthday, oh, I'll I let have, you have this one. <laughs> I have money. I have a singular prospect. You have the one prospect you want in the world. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure I'm a burden to my parents, but you know, someone has to be the yeah, family as, disappointment. As you have a home that you cleaned that you they can stay in. Uh-huh. Yeah. Anyways. Anyway. Um, I love that Pride and Prejudice quote. I did get a birthday cake that has I... my face on it. And that quote. It, I love that cake so much. It's vanilla and it tastes like cake. Would it break your heart to know that I've never seen Pride and Prejudice? It does make sense why you're like, oh, why like that quote? Uh, that's the opposite of true. But I'll believe you. Well, you don't I understand that. no, I have. I know that quote. I've heard that quote before. I've never seen Pride and Prejudice. So I'm assuming you also haven't read the book. I have not. It's yeah. on the list, but there's a lot of books on the list. I have to be perfectly honest. We'll do a Pride and Prejudice episode because I do like that movie a lot. It is a fan favorite. Uh, Barbie did get it wrong. It's a cure. I watched the Kira Knightley edition not the bbc version the barbie movie does the bbc version i believe not the here nightly version and the here nightly version is superior ah right okay i remember now i remember what we're talking about okay i get it um how are you birthday girl i'm doing great celebrating my thornback era welcome to the thornbacks thank you we're fun around here how are you doing what's up with you I'm good. I went to the Halloween nights this last weekend. Oh, yeah. How was that? Did you enjoy it? Were you scared? Oh, I had so much fun. No, it was totally fine. Last year was fucking scary, man. Really? So was it the setup where there were like the five different haunted houses and you could walk around? And yeah. then they had like the the vampire. They had like a vampire themed bar with like a coven of vampires. It was um, so I think, fun. I think the one that I went to had like a circus theme. But they had okay. scare actors walking around. They did have a couple scare actors walking around, but not as not very many. They only had like a couple. And Maybe they kind more of last time. came to their areas, essentially. There was a pumpkin guy. I loved him. He was my favorite. He had the best accent. Yeah. Um, you know, I was an allergic group, so I wonder if the scare actors were like, oh, it's a large group. We're gonna, you know, go after well, them. We also I, you know, like they do the thing where that you have the glow in the dark necklace and the scare actors can touch you and then you don't have the glow in the dark necklace and they can't touch you. Yeah. So I, we didn't take necklaces. 
I did not either, nor did one of my friends who was in the group, but there were a lot of adult men in the group with necklaces. So I'm starting to see why I was spooked by association because they were like, oh, we're going to fuck these guys up. And yeah. I was an innocent bystander. So my my friend that I went with, she kind of got some attention. Like a, scare, a couple scare actors would run up to her. And like when we were in the haunted houses, like they would kind of target her a little bit. But like me, nothing. And I was talking to her about this. I was like, dude, nobody pays attention to me. I'm fucking invisible. I don't get catcalled. I don't get yelled at. I like, I'm just fucking invisible. Nobody sees me ever. No scare actors see me. Like, I'm just ghosted by. Thanks. I see I you. That. This podcast sees you. Thanks. I appreciate that. How about you? They already answered me. You did. You didn't do anything special. Uh, oh, I did go to the Renaissance Festival in New York. That was cool. Yeah. How was that? That was fun. I had a good time. I like Renaissance festivals. Um, I'm going to go so bad. There's a there's one near here. Yeah, the Pennsylvania one. That one's supposed to be fire. I like the Maryland one. I went to the one in Maryland last year. I had year. a friend who went last weekend to the Pennsylvania one and said it was really good. So yeah, here I really want to go. I want to go. I need it to be... I need more Renaissance festivals to happen throughout fall, like throughout November. Do they not happen in November? Are they like only a September, October thing? Um, so it depends on the state because I think Georgia has their super early because it gets so hot. Um, Maryland is in fall. Pennsylvania is in fall. New York's in fall. But Colorado's is like June, July, which is the worst time because it's so hot and there's no trees. Yeah. What the hell, Colorado? Yeah, no, Colorado. The Colorado Renaissance Festival is fun, but poorly timed. I like the Maryland one, um, but also I went on closing weekend last year. So like the leaves were falling in the most cinematic way. And then the New York like festival ground was really nice. Very good for pictures and stuff. Um, people loved I made a little pumpkin bag, like a little pumpkin that I carved into to use as my Aww. bag. Oh, that's people cute. Loved it. They were like, oh my God, you're a genius. You're an icon. I'm like, thank you. I stole it from Instagram Reels because I can't have TikTok because it messes up my depression. Hey, you know what? That's on being a grown ass adult thornback. Yeah, but TikTok's where all the kids are. I want to be hip with the youth. God, I don't. Keep me away from them. <laughs> we have two people in this podcast. This is why you do the social media. <laughs> yeah, this is why I would just like to say. I put a secret message in two tweets and no one liked the, not the tweets, threads, whatever. Um, and no one got it. And I'm a little disappointed. I thought it was really clever. I didn't see them. Yep. Well, um, I'm going to read them off because I genuinely think this is one of the funniest things I've ever done and no one gets it. I learned how to spell Ulysses for this shit and no one oh. liked it. Are those the things? Send it to your best friends. And yeah, then it was like a bunch if I of list them, your best yeah. friends, send a link to our podcast. If I list your worst enemies, send them a link to our podcast. I didn't get it. <laughs> the first letter of each of the names for the one where it's send it to your bestie. I said I fucked your mom, and then the next one send it to your worst oh. enemy. I said your dad is next. <laughs> I didn't. I completely. I also had to look up Elon Musk child's name for the I, X. I did. I did recognize that one, and I was like, 
oh my god i thought that was so funny and i really wish that someone had liked those because of the secret messages but whatever um I'm sorry and then my my whole thing about the inspiration for our social media is what would an interim pitch for Wendy's Twitter in its heyday and then whatever was too stupid to use. <laughs> I thought that was so funny. I love that. Um, I so love that. If you're ever wondering the strategy behind social media, it's what dumb jokes do I think of in the moment? And what do I think would be too stupid for Wendy's Twitter to ever say? And that's what makes the cut. And that's the standard. That's the standard we set here mm -hmm. at Eternal Sumble Party LLC. <laughs> god now i'm gonna have to get us llc documents so we can actually get an llc we are All off right. to a bad start we, we are have off two to... episodes to cover today and we are off to bad starts okay so shall we get into some big old episodes episodes seven and eight of stranger things let me pull up the synopsis you know i have to say um seven and eight just for everyone keeping track at home, no bullshits added to the uh, to the counter. No time for bullshit in this one. Yeah, there was no time for bullshit in this one. Um, and this takes place over Saturday. So when we are watching through and we are talking through, because a lot of my notes are, oh my god, it's still Saturday. Same, same. All happening Saturday night into the early early morning of Sunday. Sunday morning, but the sun does not come up. We do not see the sun in this episode. It is all taking place on Saturday night. Okay, so. Yeah. So, chapter seven, the bathtub. Eleven struggles to reach Will while Lucas warns that the bad men are coming. Nancy and Jonathan show the police what Jonathan caught on camera. Chapter eight, the upside down. Dr. Brenner holds Hopper and Joyce for questioning while the boys wait with Eleven in the gym. Back at Will's, Nancy and Jonathan prepare for battle. Okay. Mildly misleading. I would say that it's a very simplistic way to view what happens in these two well, episodes. To, to say Nancy and Jonathan show the police what Jonathan caught on camera? No, they showed Hopper. Yeah. Two different entities. <laughs> Those yeah. are not the same thing. As we've established... Hopper is not the law, and the law is not Hopper. <laughs> Hopper is, an is a chief just, like, for the vibes, for the concept for of the it. For the vibes. He's there for the, yeah. Oh, my God, which we'll talk about in episode eight, but there is stuff that I want to talk about with Hopper. Oh, my so. God, yeah. So we're going to just uh, get rolling seven. And it is, it starts off. And the first note I have, besides that it's still Saturday. That was my first note, too. <laughs> still Saturday night. Um, it's not Saturday night at this point. It's Saturday, like, afternoon. Yeah, Saturday afternoon. Sorry. It is still – it's Saturday afternoon. And we get one of my favorite scenes in season one, which is Eleven going still pretty. And, like, the whole still pretty – in the mirror no that was so <laughs> this is probably the first time that 11 truly gets to see herself in a mirror and she really liked herself with the hair and being very feminine and put together and dolled up and for her to say still pretty 
reminds me a lot of Undertale at the very end, spoiler alerts, where it's it's still you. And after everything you yeah. go through, she's Despite still pretty. It's still you. Yeah. Yeah. And it just it really got me. And I think that was a really good way to start off episode seven with almost healing that teensiest bit of trauma. Yeah. And Mike was so I feel like very pure and was just like, yeah, of course. Like, of course you are. Like, there's no question about it, you know? And then it it gets hot. We were at like level two for this cute little scene. And then we go, we ramp it up to a level eight and we stay at level eight for a very long time. Yeah. Because then Lucas comes in and Lucas is such a good friend. He is so, he is so real. He is full of hatred, but he is still warning them. I know. Like, he is like, fuck you, Eleven. You are a bitch and I hate you. Fuck yeah. you and your mama. And he still is like, oh my God, the bad men are coming for my friends. I better call them right now. And that is so real. Yeah. Oh, I also wanted to note when they run upstairs and they're like, gotta go, gotta go. We gotta leave. And then they see the vans outside. Karen is on the phone with Steve's mom. Yeah. Which it's not confirmed that it's Steve's mom, but we're pretty sure it's Steve's mom because it does mention, well, she's been hanging out with Steve. So, yeah, do you know where he is? Because she's been hanging out, you know, with Steve a lot. Which, what was that conversation like? Hey, Mrs. Know. Harrington, this is Karen Wheeler. What's up? How you been? Haven't talked to you since the high school reunion. Yeah, haven't talked to you since our whatever year, like, reunion. Um, missed you at Will Byers' funeral. You weren't there. <laughs> Our children are dating, not sure if you're aware of this, but now they're gone and my daughter is missing and I don't know where she is because Nancy has not come home yet and last Karen saw of her was banging on the door and then she unlocks the door, there's a sleeping bag on the ground and Nancy's gone. And at this point as well, it's post fist fight. So Steve is yeah. also AWOL. <laughs> But to be able from his family, in. yeah, to be able from his mom, though, that would imply that his mom is there, period. Um, Which this is the only notion that we get of his parents at all in any way truly existing. Which we know that they're home because Karen does ask, will you please check with Steve? Right. So, and then the kids come running up. But I would also like to say that within all of this, it's also post- Barb's car being found and assumed to have run away. Nancy is missing and acting weird and very confused. And we know that she's with Steve. But Karen is unaware of everything else. And if anyone asks, Mike has left the country. Yes. <laughs> Which that whole, if anyone asks, I've left, like that entire scenario was just the biggest chef's kiss of chaos. It was so chaotic. And there's no so way Karen has funny. any idea of what's happening. And poor Steve's mom hearing this over the phone. <laughs> now, if they have a heated pool, I would like to think, well, I guess you couldn't just be lounging out there with the Mai Tai. It's winter. It's November. It's November. But I would love to think that she is drinking like her mold wine or something, because I can't ma imagine her without a drink in her hand. Like oh, she's absolutely that kind of not. character. 100%. Um, she's drinking on like this old fancy rotary phone, probably in the bathtub or something. 
Like she would just be that bitch with like a phone right next to her bathtub, annoyed that she has to take a call. <laughs> I don't know. Steve? Who the fuck is Steve? I don't have a son. <laughs> that thing I pushed oh, out of my vagina Steve. 16 years ago? Oh my God. Uh, forgot. I thought his name was like Kevin. I don't know who oh, that is. What? I thought it was the poor boy. Oh my God. And then she hears all of this screaming, and she probably just hung up. The second that she Karen- probably was just like- <laughs> Like, the second that Karen turned her attention away, um, Mrs. Harrington was like, I'm out. My husband's probably oh, cheating on me. Goodness. I'm getting drunk AF in my bathtub. I can only maintain where one of the two men in my family are, and I'm focusing on my husband. I can't keep track of my son. I have a son. <laughs> the start of anything with Steve is I have a son. Oh, that's right. Well, he does become a father to six children. So. Yeah, we'll talk about that in season two. Yeah. But um, so they go, they run outside, they get on the bikes. L and Brenner make the most intense eye contact. That stare down is so intense. That is the most fuck you, Dad. I'm going, I'm riding off with this boy that you don't know. That was the most you're not my real dad <laughs> moment. It truly, <laughs> truly was. And then we get Lucas apologizing to Elle and it's very sweet and they become friends and the oh, whole party makes up. Before that, Elle flips a fucking van. Oh my God, that's right. One of the most iconic We get shots. a lot of, we don't get any Nancy bullshit counter editions but we get some l kill count editions so here's the thing is i didn't count that because we couldn't confirm if the people in the van were dead true but in the next episode we get a kill counter yeah but like there that is the van so if we wanted to add them that is just something she does flip a van she flips a van that is driving super fast completely over her head Upside, the other thing that I loved is they the van flips. Brenner gets out of the car and everybody else is getting out of the van slowly. They are not trying to help the people inside that upside down van. They're just standing there being like, ah, shucks. Ah, the kids got away. They didn't drive over Barnacles. the lawn to get around that to keep going. Like they were like, shoot, they got out. Them darn kids. Like Which uh, with that apology and everything, I was like, this is the most yes. 80s movie moment in the entire series. They all make up, they all become friends. The bad guys do not do what real bad guys would do, which is stop at nothing and shoot them. But like, oh, it was- that's, I'll, I'm gonna talk about that in a second too. Yeah. But like, I also wanna say Lucas is like, like, let's just picture this. Lucas is like a 12 year old boy. Puberty's hitting, he's like, pride is hitting. And he, without any hesitation, he goes up to Elle and he says, I'm sorry, you were right. I apologize. I was we're, wrong. And yeah, like, let's be friends, be friends again. And just like, without even like no hesitation, nothing was just like, you were right. I was wrong. I'm sorry. Like, to me, that was just like, he is, I fucking love Luke. <laughs> He's great. I just love him so much. Me, correct me if I'm wrong. But I also think this is the first time we hear the friends don't lie line drop because they go back to that in a lot of seasons i don't remember if it's said 
in it's, previous episodes. It is said in previous episodes because okay. when Eleven is like, oh, Will's here, and then they find Will's body, Mike says, friends don't lie, and you lied. I'm pretty sure. Like, I wish I had made, made note of it because I also missed the first time she had waffles. But I feel like we see the memes born in this these last two episodes with the egos and with yes. this line drop because they do say friends don't lie a few times, I think. Um, but I just loved it because I, I had to make note of it. I'm like, this is this is the moment. This is friends don't lie. This is the iconic line from the series. That is, that is the moment when I think it becomes like a very, because she said too, she's, she was like, I lied. Like friends don't lie. And I'm sorry too because of that. It was like. Yeah, it was, it was very emotionally mature for a bunch of 12 year olds. Very emotionally mature. And I mm -hmm. I love it. And I love that in a way, all of these characters are growing up, but the kids are growing up in such a different way that keeps their kid innocence than like we see Nancy grow up and like Jonathan yeah. and Steve. Which like everything for the kids is very simple. And I think it's because they don't really have any adult context yet. Whereas once you're kind of in the teens, you do. You kind of start messing around with romance and flirting and you're growing up and you're trying to figure out who you are. Whereas when you're a kid, you don't think that much about anything. This, these last two seasons, or seasons, these last two episodes, I also think did such a good job with cinematography and the cuts. And I'll get to like oh, the specific yeah. moments. Yeah. But moving on, I want to talk about Police Station Hopper. Oh my God. He comes ripping through. Where's Jonathan? What the fuck? He enjoys. They're ready to go. And I love that Joyce is like, unlock him. And he's like, no. And Hopper just goes, unlock him. <laughs> like, I don't have time for this. <laughs> Let's go. And I love that Hopper is just behind. Like, it's very funny, the dynamic between Hopper and Joyce, because like Hopper can get loud and stuff, but like Joyce is the one screaming and Hopper is just silently behind like, fucking do it. <laughs> yes. And then it cuts immediately to Karen picking up in the house. Yes. So she finds hair from the wig. Yeah. She, this woman is fucking going through it on a Saturday. Because <laughs> this woman. She starts her day making breakfast for her whole family she goes to get her daughter her daughter's like i'll be right down then her daughter sneaks out the window she unlocks the door to see again unmade bed sleeping bag on the ground her daughter is gone she is calling her boy her daughter's boyfriend's mom we assume terrible conversation that got nowhere because her boyfriend's mom is a <laughs> different planet apparently because her boyfriend also doesn't know where the fuck she is yeah, her boyfriend, who, not even her boyfriend, they're just hanging out, also would not know where she is, but he's not even home at, because this is right after when the fight would have taken place, so he's pieced off to nowhere. Then, your other child comes screaming, did you do electrical repairs? You don't know what the hell's going on. He runs out, if anyone asks, I've left the country. You go down to the basement for any sort of clue and to probably pick up whatever mess they just made. You see a fort. You go to the fort. You're like, what is happening? You pick up girl's hair because she wouldn't know it's a wig. It like, yeah. From what you pick up, it looks like it is a lock of girl's hair. Yeah. And you have no idea where any of your two children are. 
And now someone's at the door. And, and then like, hey. not just someone, but like 15 government 15 people. officials. 15 government officials are now outside your door. Hey, sweetie. Hey, girl. Can we talk for a second? That shot when they open, when she opens the door and it's like the guy and the lady and then Brenner is standing in the back like this casual, like, to me, I was like, God, Brenner is so slimy, smarmy, and I hate him. Hate him. I hate him. Um, which is what I so I wanted to talk about the conversation that Karen has with Brenner. Well, first the lady. Oh my gosh, right. I wanted to just say Ted swaggers up and he's like <laughs> Ted I don't know. I think I would notice if my kids had another person in here. That look from jo from Karen of being like, No, you fucking wouldn't. <laughs> You know she is trying so hard because she doesn't want to incriminate her children in whatever is happening in this Cold War era red scare. You know she's like, are you fucking kidding me? Our daughter had someone over last night and you have no idea who. Our son had a per had a girl in the basement we have no idea who. Are you fucking kidding me right now, Ted? You notice? You would notice anything in this fucking household. She, she wants a goddamn divorce and a cigarette in that moment. Oh my god. <laughs> okay. But then yes, I do want to talk about the conversation between I Papa and Karen. So first, like the lady is being like to Karen, have you seen this person? And Ted just going, What happened to her hair? <laughs> Ted is so fucking checked out of life. Seriously. And then Karen is like, no, fuck you guys. You want my help. Like, fuck you. I don't want to do it. And then Dr. Brenner sits down. And this is the first scene that we can see just how manipulative Dr. Brenner can be. Oh, my God. Karen's screaming, you want me to stay calm? When she is listing out essentially everything we just listed out. Where it's like, this is a batshit insane situation. How could anyone stay calm? And then... Your son is in real danger. Like the super calm, super almost dismissive in a way. Ch like like talking to a child. Yeah. Like very much like he is gentle to a parenting child. right now. It's Dr. Brenner just invented gentle parenting with Karen Wheeler in this moment as an abuse tactic in the worst po possible way. A truly insane. So, let's see. So, yeah, it just, that felt so gross to me. Oh, absolutely. And then I, I put this down where will you trust me out of context is such a spooky line. And in, even oh, in this 100%. context, it's such a spooky line. But just the phrase, will you trust me, is such 100%. a terrible thing to hear. Because you know it is either going to be a really cute rom-com moment where you're about to, like, go do something fun with the street urchin a la Aladdin or <laughs> you're you're dead. You're going to die because will you trust me is said by the bad guy and the villain who wants nothing to do with your life and could care less about your life, just wants to use you. And then we cut back to the kids in the junkyard now. Yes. So now the kids are in the junkyard. And you know what Dustin says? He says, Department of Energy, what does that even mean? 
literally what I was saying the other episode. You were like, literally, these kids are us and we are these kids and that is how it is. that's That's how we know that Dustin truly belongs on this podcast with us because I was saying the exact same shit. Like, what does the Apartment of Energy do? They have to have regular people people working there or they have to have these operatives living in the community. And I don't know how you have a Department of Secrets in the Department of Energy without people picking up on it there. And I don't know how you explain that to the regular people of Hawkins when some of those people would have to be your neighbors. Well, that's what I was literally thinking was like, these people live in Hawkins, don't they? You would imagine. Like, you would have to know, like, old Greg, the electrician who works at the Department of Energy. You would think, but like, I don't know. Do they live in the lab? Do they never leave the lab? That's my thought is like, because that lady, because if they lived in Hawkins, Benny would have known that lady, right? And here's the thing. I also asked this question because we see later on the episode, or maybe it's in episode eight as well, where they're like walking around in the upside down from the lab to their house through the woods. I'm like, how big is Hawkins? How big is the upside down? What what space is this? Is this a fully walkable city? That does not seem to make sense for middle America. There are not walkable cities, but this isn't even a city. It's a town. So you would have to assume everyone know knows Bill Byers, which is why it's hitting the community so hard. It's a small town. Yeah, happens there. But then you have all of these agents and electrician trucks and electricity truck people all over the place. And this woman walking up to Benny's asking about social services. And you mean to tell me that no one knows each other in that situation? Like, are they all hidden? Are they all commuting from Indianapolis to Hawkins every day? How long is that drive? Yeah, it's, I really don't know. But you'd still have to kind of know them from like lunch because it's not like they were always working on trying to find Eleven. They also had to have some easier days before the upside down portal opened where they could go get lunch at the local burger joint. But I don't know if they did because they were, they were trying really hard to like, what is the word? Like, like they were focusing so much on like the weapon and like the kids and like all this stuff that I don't know that they did have easier days. I'm saying comparatively, easier is a relative term here. Oh, that's fair. But you mean to tell me that like the security guards and all these like back office people who when they're not dealing directly with the kids, they don't get a lunch break where they can just hop up to the local burger joint? I don't know. I love the idea now of like a goon still in his little yellow hazmat suit coming fresh (laughs) from the upside down, wandering into Benny's like, hey, I would love a special. I am starving right now. Oh, and a double order of fries, please. Oh, my goodness. But I digress. I just I have so many questions for who's working there. Where do they live? What are these communities saying? Is Hawkins really that big of a place? Like, questions that I demand Lot, answers No, to. lots of questions about these people and who they are and how they work and everything like that. I completely agree. But now we have to cut back. We're in the police station again. And we see Joyce lecturing Jonathan where it's like, mm-hmm. you're not alone in the world. Before that, we cut to the kids and they have a quick conversation and they realize oh, right. that... In in that, we got a little bit sidetracked with this. Um, 
they they say no a department of energy is like weapons and stuff and they realize that 11 is the weapon yes and this also makes me think that they probably do have people in the department of energy living around lucas and dust not lucas and dustin lucas and mike like in that area in that neighborhood or at least their parents are friends with people who work for the department of energy where they would know they're working on weapons and stuff yeah because i guess that is true like how would they know yeah because like not even 11 type weapons but if you're saying department of energy they would know and it's like oh well he just saw all the military it just doesn't make sense that they wouldn't have some idea with how big that lab is all of those people cannot just stay remote in that building yeah they just can't that entire building cannot be dedicated to just raising these children in secret to become super weapons from mk ultra side effects so they have yeah. to be working on something normal even if it's top secret something normal because the town also doesn't seem to bat an eye in stuff that we'll talk about more in season two right where it's like they kind of assume like yeah something weird's going on something secret government it's the red scare we're not going to ask too many questions because we're afraid of communism and being put on a list right because this is that whole time i forgot about that yeah like you really hit the red scare i would say in season one and three um season two i don't think you get the red scare as much but season one and three very much red scare and then it's uh season four is very satanic panic which i think are like the big cultural markers of the 80s yes absolutely now we're back in the police station yes with joyce and hopper and joyce is finally parenting jonathan which to me she's like like jonathan's like oh i'm sorry i was going off to do this thing like i'm sorry she's like you could have come to me like joyce you didn't even notice he was gone yeah and i was my note is it's really sweet to see joyce being a parent because for the longest time we've only seen her be frantic missing a child now we see her as a mother with a child yes but it's also like what do you mean he's not alone where have you been where has anyone uh, been for this like, child you haven't exactly been there for him yeah and that it's just kind of weird where it's like mm, he's kind of alone like he has nancy now but which speaking of nancy we then get a hard cut to steve and his yes friends. so oh wait no 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 no. sorry i jumped ahead we jump over 10 feet in the police yes. station where one of the bullies is getting interrogated not interrogated but he's being questioned about his report and the mom is freaking out like my son is not a liar he is telling the truth yeah my son is telling the truth i need to report this he's been hurt yeah and then she's hilarious that lady with like the whole back and forth with that police officer like see that right there that tone that's the yeah. condescending like it was so funny i loved it loved it um i cannot i was dying when it's like she's a freak she can make you do things with your mind like float the air and piss yourself like so embarrassed and then the police officer what like she, can, what? she did what now <laughs> okay wait float in the air 
okay, makes sense. You're talking about a freak, superpowers, whatever, but piss yourself. And I love that Hopper is like, I love that thing that Hopper does where he just like puts his hand up and he's like, shh, let him talk. Let the man cook. Let him him cook. (laughs) (laughs) This girl, does she have hair? She she looked like a boy. Which I feel bad for Millie Bobby Brown in this first season. I know. She looks like a boy. Like, damn. She doesn't. She's got a shaved head. Yeah. I okay, agree. I will say, prepubescent children, if they have no hair, do look incredibly androgynous. But yes. I do not think that it is fair to say Millie Bobby Brown at this point looks like a boy because she has a shaved head. I yeah. think that we all assume boy because usually shaved heads and bald heads are masculine. But like, damn, everyone was coming for her throat with the looks like a boy. So then we go to Steve. Now we're at Steve and his now we friends. Go to Steve. And he's so mean. He specifically says to his friends, Why did you do that? Yeah. Like he asks Tommy, I think it is. Yeah. He asks Tommy, Why did you do that? Meaning Tommy's the one who did the spray paint. Tommy was spray painting. Uh, we see him also when he's writing, like, Jonathan Byers is a creep. Right. But. They were being so mean, unprovoked. So mean. And also literally being like, you owe me a dollar forty. Like, it's a dollar forty. Calm down. Which this man drives you everywhere. Do you pay yeah. him gas money? How much in gas money do you owe him, Dick? But it's just so mean. And then they get so graphic and kind of gross where it's like, oh, he killed his little brother. Oh my god, I imagine like what is fa- that's what he looks like when he's having sex with Nancy. And it's like escalating they're and so disgusting. Gross. They're gross and they're mean. Meanwhile, your friend is clearly distraught, sitting on the hood of his car that he drives you around in, with a pretty beaten up face. And he's like, you guys are being assholes. He's pissed off. And it's like, oh, you're going to defend her honor. She doesn't love you. Like, they're just mean to him. For nothing. And then when Steve is like, I'm going, like, shut up. I just got in one fight. I'll get in a second fight. I've got nothing left to lose. So aggressive. You couldn't even handle buyers. I'll kick your ass. Like, (sighs) I'll make you wish you were dead. Whatever he said. And then, like, yeah, run away, Steve. Just like you always do. At the end, like, when he gets in the car and runs off. Because, like, yeah, your friend, someone you trusted, is threatening to, like, kick your ass. This is a lot to take in. I'm probably also getting in my car and driving away. Fuck you guys. I'm going home. Yeah, like, just fuck them. Like, completely fuck them. They're the worst, and I'm so glad that they don't come back. We hear of their names and how they are assholes, and that's the only time they come back. But they're running. all we need. Which, let me get my obligatory Eddie mention in now, early on. There's such parallels to Steve running away in season one to Eddie in season four, whereas Steve is always ru- supposed to be running away like he's this big scaredy cat. I just thought immediately of like Eddie running away in the face of Chrissy, like going up into the, the air. That's true. That's true. And, and just, his whole thing about like, I'm done running and everything. Yeah. And then you kind of see Steve later on in episode eight going back for Nancy and kind of fighting for her and like trying to apologize, although he doesn't even know that she's there. 
And we'll talk more on this when we get to that. He point goes to Jonathan episode. first. He goes to which Jonathan is... to apologize and talk it through. Yeah. I he's a good guy. Oh my god, I can't. Okay, so Joyce and everyone else. I, I started referring to them as Joyce and Crew. Yeah. Okay. Joyce and and the crew are looking for the kids. They pull up outside of not right outside the house, but like a block away where they can kind of see what's going on. And Nancy is ready to fist fight the government. She sees everyone parked outside of her house. And she's like, my mom and dad are in there. I got to go start throwing hands. And you know, Hopper's like, that's my girl. That's my, that's my other daughter. That's my other <laughs> child. But I need you to like cool it for a second. We need to just like chill for one second here. And, and so then they go back to the, they go back to the buyer's house. Yes. Um, because he realizes that he can find out who, like, where the other kids are with one simple thing, and that's the walkie-talkie, because he has paid so much attention to his brother and his friends to know about the walkie-talkie. Yes, because Will is kind of his only friend, let's be perfectly honest. I think he says that at some point, like, Will is his only friend. Yeah. So... They walk in that house and Nancy's face when she walks in and is just like, uh, what the fuck? Everyone has that same reaction except for one character and that's Karen. Karen Wheeler is the only one when they enter Joyce's household with all of the lights. He's like, yeah. But this is not just lights. This is post lights, post the wall being cracked open. There's wallpaper yeah. everywhere. The house is ripped apart. Like, and Nancy just is like, uh, what? Oh, okay, we're we're moving past this. Okay, okay. We're just gonna keep trucking, I guess. Uh, but Karen Wheeler is the only one who enters, sees all the lights and the craziness, and is like, "How you doing, girly?" <laughs> Karen and Joyce need to be better friends. They need to be close. Like, I feel like they would yeah. really get along. So they, the kids are at the junkyard. They're hiding. There's helicopters. So what happens is they're like, oh my God, Elle's the weapon. And then they see a helicopter. They shove their bikes underneath the bus and they get on the bus and they're hiding in there. Yes. Joyce and crew go to the buyer's house. They find Will's radio. So they get the radio. And Nancy is like, Mike, please pick up. Mike, can you do this? And then they're like, oh my God, Lando Calrissian. It's a trap. And then Hopper is like, this is the chief of police. You need to come in now. We know about the girl. So then Mike comes through and I want to say the those shots with like the walkie sitting on like the shelf, like zooming in with like Mike's voice coming out of it and then cutting to Mike like sitting in the bus, like just like these wonderful iconic shots that I really just loved. Yes. So then we cut to Steve and Steve goes and cleans up the sign and he walks yes. up and he's like, hey, do you want some help? He goes and he cleans the sign. What a good guy. That ladder, move the fucking ladder. It's in a bad spot. Just put it in a better spot. I hated that. Yeah, but then it's not as like beautifully constructed cinematographically. I guess. Ugh. But we then, need the aesthetic of him struggling to clean off sluts. We need so the asks, like, I'll clean it up. And it's like, did you have anything to do with this? I just want to help. I just want to help. Okay. So then we cut back to the kids and Dustin is pacing. What does that look for? For that voice you just did. Oh. <laughs> I just want to hail. I just want to hail. What are you, old Greg? <laughs> Maybe. Um, 
Um, okay, so we cut back to the kids. Dustin is pacing. He's freaking out. He's having a tough time. Yeah. Which I was like think, so like, relatable, girly. Anxiety, I feel you. Yeah, because then they're also trying to figure out if it was a trap or not. If they got Lando Carnesian. Right. Lando, if they got Landoed. Yeah. So then they say Nancy maybe, but the chief, I love that they're like, Nancy would sell us out, but with the chief? And in the back, you see Mike be so offended. Like, <laughs> Nancy wouldn't sell me out. That's my sister. And it's just such oh, peak so sibling good. energy where it's like, fuck you, Nancy. I don't trust you. You're going to rat me out. Nancy could rat us out. How dare you? That's my sister. <laughs> it's so funny. Which I um, did love Ted's line. Real quick, jumping back. We have to trust the government. They're on our side. And Karen gives him a look like, are you serious right now? They cast that family like, you can tell that they're their kids. Like, <laughs> yeah. So then. Right. Oh, the, so good. So then the bad men show up to. Because the, Mike's mom knew where they would be and told them. So yes. it's happening at the same time. Yes. Yeah, so all the of bad this is happening at one moment. And this is kind of what you called back to a little bit earlier where you were like actual bad men would do whatever they could with guns these three guys show up each one of them is carrying a gun you can very clearly see that all of them are carrying guns mm -hmm. and we see one guy he notices the bikes he goes to open up the the bus door and then you just hear like he gets pulled back he gets knocked down you hear a couple other scuffling things with two other guys which means that okay so then just to to say it hopper shows up on the bus and hopper's like let's go let's go this fucking badass papa's here like the real dad is here yes it's time to go but what is so funny to me is that these three men all have guns and hopper managed to knock down all three of them who were quite loud and would have made it very obvious of what was happening yeah and none of those men shot like it just it was so un like i love hopper great man but like come on guys I do think that for the first few seasons, they only want the guns to be used against non-human things. Because we see Nancy shooting the can. We see them going to shoot the deer. We see them shooting at the Demogorgon. We do see like some gunfire towards people, but it's only when it's the good guy with like a revolver at the very clear bad guy. And I think yeah. it's because they are trying to make it very clear the good guys and the bad guys. And the bad guys have to be incompetent for the yeah. good guys to win. And I think to also continue painting this idea that the lab is incompetent at what they do, you have to have Hopper Super Cop come in and kick their ass. But yeah, also, you're right. As we watch through and assume this is a and d game that the kids are playing and it's just a campaign, that was an obvious 20 with like a plus six dexterity or whatever. Yeah. Where he could just sneak attack. And rest you just the kids. sneak attacked all three of them. It's totally fine. It's a okay. And he and brings the kids have... there. And this is yeah. the first time that everyone is all together. Yes. And the one game of Nancy's all first questions is, is that my dress? I love that she runs up to Mike. She's like, I'm so worried about you. And Mike doesn't even hug her back. And is just like, I guess I was worried about you too. I guess. 
No, like, that's, what's that's, not thinking about her? Right, but that's peak little brother energy. As someone with oh, a little so brother, is. that is peak energy for little brothers. I literally just in my notes just put the wheelers, lol. Like, and is then that yes, is that my is that my dress? Which Nancy, that dress would not have fit you for many, many years. Nancy, that dress is so old, girl. Like, let it go. Like one, I am actually quite genuinely surprised that they would have kept it. Like, I'm assuming for Holly because you keep hand me downs. Yeah, but there's such an age gap between Holly and Nancy. I'm surprised that they would have kept something like that because nancy would have been growing out of that dress by the time they would have been finding out karen was pregnant with holly yeah i don't know good thing they kept it yeah i guess because if nancy's supposed to be like um 14 15 and holly's three she probably would have already been getting rid of that dress because it seems very small and i don't know i guess i don't know what size nancy is obviously 11 size but she would have been growing out of those clothes pretty quickly for them to justify keeping it. And when you already have to get new clothes, but whatever. I don't know. I, I went through my older sister's hand-me-down clothes and my little sister went through those hand-me-down clothes. But what was, what's the age gap between you and your older sister? Nine years. Okay. That's fair. So it's pretty close to what Nancy and Holly would be. Did you have like hand-me-downs from like her baby clothes too? I don't remember. I was a baby. <laughs> I assume so. You didn't choose your own clothes as a baby? I did not choose my own clothes as a baby. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay, so they're all in there talking and everything. And, like, the look that Hopper gives Eleven, it broke my heart. Because he mentions going in there into the lab. And Eleven looks at him like, oh, you saw it. And this look of just, like, he knows... They are two war veterans, and game recognizes game. And I think Hopper seeing it after being in Nam, he sees the trauma in her eyes, in her stance, in her posture. He saw where she grew up and can only imagine the worst. She sees him, and I, because she would have amnesia, so she wouldn't remember one at all in this point. Wait, that's right, because she has amnesia. I completely forgot about that whole scenario of her having amnesia. I was just, here's the thing. I was thinking about it as I was watching because I couldn't watch um, season or episode eight all the way through. So I took a little break and I was thinking, does Eleven think about one during all of this? What is she thinking about one? Like what's going through her head? And I'm like, oh, she's not. She doesn't think about him. He doesn't exist to her. He's gone. She can't remember anything about these other children. So, so I was just thinking, th- like, and like that's Hopper, an interesting thought because is is she assuming that she's been there alone this whole time, and is she doing this in her own brain, or did Doctor Brenner do something to make her think that she was the only one there? Yes, and as all of this is going on. Like, she's being tortured. She's fighting her own war. She's in the trenches. She can see the same thing she saw in the mirror in Hopper. Like, she can see, like, being tired, having killed people. She can see that. She can sense that within Hopper. And I think that would be the first time that she really saw someone. Because I don't think anyone from the lab necessarily regrets anything that they've done. Whereas I think Hopper has. And I think Eleven regrets what she's done. 
even if she can't vocalize it. So it's like really the first time within the meeting, them finding their people who understand their pain. Yeah. Well, and Eleven also is feeling so much pressure right now. Like you can see that when she goes into the bathroom, like she's exhausted, but she knows that all of these people are depending on her powers to bring back Will. Yeah. And And that's a lot of pressure. And to see if Barb's okay. Um, So we have this conversation with everyone and there, mm -hmm. and she tries to find Will through the radio. They're too far away. Right. Oh, but they also are trying to explain to her how many taught like how they found out because the kids are explaining to the adults and the teens the acrobat and the flea and they're trying to explain the compasses and my favorite line we've got all these compasses and i'm like hell yeah you do buddy (laughs) hell yeah you got a lot of compasses so many compasses too many too many compasses and then they ask l if she can find will and if they can find bar yes and she tries she can't find them so she's like i need a bath yes which that makes me wonder how far is Eleven's range and how far is the distance to the upside down? Like, how does that all work? Because we know that Elle can reach to Russia, but then how big is the upside down? What's like the distance equivalent to traveling to the upside down to find them? But also, it I think it has more to do with her energy level than it does how far away they are. She also really wouldn't know Barb. I still think that she probably saw Will or sensed Will entering the Upside Down in the way that she didn't with Barb because she wouldn't have been in the bath. Because I think she was probably, when she opened the portal, let Demo out, if that's supposed to be happening. That Demo got out, Elle was taken out of the bath, Demo destroyed the lab, then Demo went and got Will. And Elle escaped. And Elle escaped so, at some point in there. We don't know for yes, sure. At some point on a Sunday. Last Sunday. Last Sunday. I just want to know, like, what's that like? She probably wouldn't be able to find Barb immediately or even know really what to look for. She had the picture of Barb. So they had that yeah. picture of Barb sitting there, which is what they use in season two as well, is pictures of people. And you can see that in season one in the flashbacks that they use pictures of people for her to find them yes then she comes out of the bathroom being like i have to or she guess she just come out of the bathroom but she's like i need the bath and then she has yeah, to explain. she needs to make a bath she explains and dustin our little science boy is like oh he called mr mean clark a sensory deprivation tank he called yes. mr clark at presumably 10 p.m he says 10 p.m on a saturday yes so it's so we get a time frame it is now 10 p.m on a saturday so it's 10 p.m already just yes do you know where your children are it's 10 p.m do you know where your children are mr clark is on a date he's on a date they're watching a movie a scary movie he's putting the moves on this girl like it's just bubble gum and melted plastic baby i got riz And then in Dustin, I have a science question. The curiosity door. Why are you keeping this curiosity door locked, Mr. Clark? Sensory deprivation? What is this for? Fun? Okay. <laughs> like, and then I love, I love that he's like, oh, what is this for? Fun. And then literally 
Mr. Clark stays on the phone, gives him all the information on how to do the sensory deprivation tank. And then Dustin takes the phone. He goes, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay. All right. Okay. Thank you. Yep. Goodbye, Mr. Clark. Okay. Goodbye. And like, is like, yeah. Uh-huh. Okay, bye-bye okay, now. Okay. Bye. And like, literally. Yeah. Talk to you Monday. On- talk to you Monday. Like, trying to get off the phone with this man that you right? called. Yes. Trying to get off the phone. Like he's the one, like it's, I fucking love Dustin so much. <laughs> And then he hangs up the phone and is like, we need a kiddie pool and a lot of salt. Also, I want to say the kiddie pool that they went bobbing for apples in. How did they bob for apples in that pool? Yeah. I have questions. I have questions <laughs> about them bobbing for apples, for apples in that, in that kiddie pool. pool. Which How? I made a note that if this was a parody movie, like, or if there's ever a parody scene of this, when he says a lot of salt, they would pull out a Costco t- tub of salt <laughs> or go to Costco at a 10 p.m. That's just what they would do. So then they go to the school. So now we are moving to the school. Yes. They try to spread out the kiddie pool and they seem like it, they make it seem like that is the hardest thing they've ever done in their entire life. It's so funny. <laughs> try to open up this pool and then they're like trying to like shake it out. And they're like, God damn it, this isn't coming together at all. I'm like, what the hell? You just pull on opposite sides. This and is the easiest kiddie pool you've ever had to set up. So at the same time, Jonathan is helping Hopper get ice or get salt. And I just want to say, like, literally, Jonathan's like, I'm going to help. I'm going to do this. And it's a moment where it's like Jonathan really thinks he's an adult, but he is like 15. Yeah. Uh, he would be 16 because he could drive. But yeah, he's... 16 Listen, in in the midwest people can drive at 15 so he's a child he's a minor he's not an adult <laughs> no he's he's so young and hopper is like you're a and it's just that moment again where like you see how parentified he is but it's like no you are a kid you need to remember you're a kid i did love the line where it's like well what if it snows next week and i'm like it's it won't don't worry he it goes won't. i guess you get a couple days after school worst thing no school, school for whatever and i'm like yeah a week. hell yeah snaps but and then Opper also like Hopper's already like a dad to Will, already being like, I will find him and I will bring him home. Like very much Jonathan, like Yeah. Yeah. It's fantastic. And then we get our second crime spree from Miss Nancy <laughs> Wheeler. Just breaking locks off shit. Nancy Wheeler is a new woman. She is like, <laughs> what did I say last week? she's had a penis inside of her and she's looked at demogorgon in the eye she's a new woman yeah <laughs> she went through what all young girls go through at some point they have a penis <laughs> inside of them they look a being from a different dimension in the eye after they killed its best friend killed her best her best friend died because of this thing you look it straight in the eye and you do not come out the same you come out nope. a woman you come out a woman that's how you become someone tell Stepford Wives, that's how you become a woman. You think that's what they're doing in their little brain to, like, keep it from overheating the processor? The woman would be fighting to get out, fighting to try to rip the ATM out of her asshole. No, she has to <laughs> inside of her own mind. It's like a labyrinth maze of hell. Oh, no. Okay, so I also this conversation between Mike and Nancy when Nancy's like, hey, we've grown apart. We haven't really talked a whole lot. No more secrets between us. Right. And then they both immediately lie to each other. Yeah. Where it's do you like Will? Do you like Eleven? But 
I also was just like, you were acting weird. I thought it was Will. You were acting weird. I thought it was Steve. Like, they both just have no idea what's going on in each other's life. Which, to be fair, Mike was acting weird because of Will, and Nancy was acting weird because of Steve, but not for the reasons you think. Yeah, and so I just think it was so funny that it was like, okay, no more secrets between each other. Deal. So Tell me who you like right now. Yeah, so are you going to do Jonathan now? No, it's not like that at all. Are you, uh, do you like Eleven? No, gross. Like, it was this immediate, no more secrets. And secrets. Like, And I'm going to lie to you. No, friends don't lie, but siblings do. (laughs) Ayo. So then we get this tender scene between Joyce and Eleven. Yes. She's like making the goggles for Eleven. And she is talking about, you know, you have been so brave. You're doing so much for my family. You are doing so much for me. Like, yes, it just this. And I it just makes me think this is the first time that Eleven has ever heard words like that. It's the first positive affirmation, first care that she's received and the first like probably substantial relationship or interaction she's had with an adult woman. Yeah. In almost her entire life, at least within her memory. Yeah. To have an adult woman comfort her. And not just that, but it's positive affirmation just for existing instead of having to do something to prove her worth. And if she's too scared, she can bail and Joyce will take care of her. It just... It made me weak. It It's... Yeah. That was then, such a... Uh... Oh, yes. Then they cut to filling up the kiddie pool and trying to get it to the exact right temperature, which made me then ask the question, why does Mr. Clark know how to do this? Because, because there's no Google. Science teacher. So I'm sorry. Is that just a normal part of curriculum out in the uh, Midwest? There, baby girl? Where you just learn how to build a sensory deprivation chamber? Listen, Mr. Clark has his hobbies. He's passionate like these kids and he knows these things. And I don't know, maybe to get a science degree, you have to know this. I didn't get a science degree. I got an art degree. Yeah, I got a business degree. We didn't have to do science either. Um, Exactly. So they make the they get the temperature just right. They add a bunch of salt. Dustin tests it with the eggs. At this point, it has to be like, yeah midnight 1 a.m right or at least close to at least yeah. close to we are pushing midnight and then 11's in there she makes it through we get this electricity surge which is the yes coolest electricity surge like this whole shot is just i i think the duffer if i'm remembering correctly the duffer brothers talked about how this was one of the first things they pictured was this scene i might be wrong about that though i might be wrong Eventually, we'll be able to, like, actually look at interviews, which might be yeah. important when we want to put together a full timeline of this show. Yes, which I think we sh- Yeah, I agree. So the electricity surge. Eleven is in the void. She finds Barb. I think Barb looks uh, Vecna'd. Barb looks exactly like some of the corpses that Vecna handles, which... And so Barb is supposed ick. to be in the Demogorgon's nest because in episode eight, we see her again. Yes. And the nest with like all of those vines coming in. When I saw that shot of them going into the building in episode eight, I was like, Henry? Hello? Hello. So I will say no ticking, but like they did do very good draws to season one. 
I feel like. Yes. Um, the echo afterwards gave me the ick where everything Eleven was hearing, there was like this terrible echo, everything she was saying. She was screaming it, but then in like the pool, she was just gone. I gone. know. And then inside the void, she was losing her mind, terrified. Um, I know. But then Joyce is voice being like, I'm right here. I'm right here. It's okay. Well, and Will, also- it's mom. Like that echo on Joyce's voice, it gave me the ick. I did not like that. I did not find that comforting. I thought that would have sent me over the edge. Oh, I, I, it didn't bother me. But I also want to say when she went into the pool, Joyce is holding one of her hands and Hopper's holding the other one of her hands. It really did foreshadow that family dynamic in season it four. Really did. Like, yes. Also, I just want to say that slug that came out of Barb's mouth, paid actor. Paid actor. That slug killed it. That is one of the more shot. Like, sometimes you forget how gruesome this show gets. But this show gets yeah. gruesome. This show is gory sometimes. We'll have to talk about we'll talk about that specifically with the very end. But yes. the show gets gory. So she continues on. She finds Will. He's in Castle Byers. He, he looks rough as hell. Good. He looks bad which it's been and i also wanted to know what does time look like in the upside down because he would have been going on day seven without food so he or went water. in it's it's exactly six days at this point yes six it's days almost, it's a little bit over six days at this point yes so six days without food or water presuming yeah probably very very little sleep if any so i don't know how he would have survived but he he looks rough. Yeah. He he is very rough and then she loses the connection. She she I'm assuming runs out of power. <laughs> she gets too tired. Yes. She comes to I think that she gets also very very scared cuz I'm sure she could hear the demogorgon coming or something. Probably. And then it's the first time an adult comforts her after she is scared. She's had her friends I comfort know. her. But an adult person is like, it's okay. I've got you. You're safe. I will keep you safe. I've got you. I love Joyce. So good. And then the scene after that, too, where they're sitting down and she's got the towel wrapped around her and Lucas is just like rubbing her shoulder. It was so sweet. They are comforting her. They are hyping her up. They are given her space and recognizing what she needs to do. Yeah. So then Joyce and Hopper are like, all right, let's go. We're going to the portal. We're going to go get him. Got to be quick about it. I love that. It's like Hopper leaves. Joyce follows. Jonathan follows them. And then literally that whole conversation where she's like, it's my son. I am going. And Hopper just it, like he does not argue. He's he down bad. Goes, well, but also he gets it because yeah, no, but he's down bad. He looks at that woman fighting for her kid and is like, "Yes, um, whatever you tell me to do, baby girl." <laughs> they are power couple. I fucking, I so just, true. I love them so much. But then to immediately turn around and be like, "Okay, Jonathan, now you stay here." Like you're the babysitter. Like, I'm going. All right, now Jonathan. <laughs> like now, Johnny boy, stay. Yeah. Um, Which then he goes and he finds Nancy. Jonathan, the babysitter, goes and finds Nancy, who for the first time is able to sit down and say definitively, 
Barb is dead. Barb I know is Barb dead. is dead. And let's talk about her response to this is Barb is dead. I want vengeance. She doesn't have time for sadness. Grief. She doesn't have time for grief. She says revenge and revenge only. Miss One Track Mind is out for blood. And I fucking love it. Like that, this is the, I, and I think the thing that happens is everyone's like, oh, Nancy's so annoying. I hate Nancy. See, like up until episode six, Nancy, I can see that argument. She's annoying. She's naive. She's young. She doesn't get it. From this point on, I'm a Nancy stan. I see, the thing is, love Nancy. Up until this point, Nancy was able to operate with a little bit of optimism that she could get her best friend back. And she can't. At this point, she's like, I've lost everything important to me. Yeah. Because she probably thinks that she's no longer going to be able to be with Steve. After everything that happened, her relationship's probably over. Yeah. But also, like, we know that that's not what she's thinking. Like, everything that she has known about her life, everything is, is gone. Like, it's different. Like... Yeah, but and she just she is a different person. And this person breaks open locks without second thought and says, I'm going to go hunt down an apex predator. I don't give a fuck what you say. And here we go. Like, she just I love it. No, I love it. I love it. In the same vein that we're kind of going through everything that just happened to Karen Wheeler. Let's backtrack to last Saturday, seven days from where she is right now. She said she was with Barb shopping for a top for Steve to pick out the perfect one because it was so important. She gets Steve. They're on a date. They're making out. She is top of the world living out her rom-com fantasy. Has sex for the first time and feels kind of weird about it. Things kind of were awkward with Barb. Barb's now gone. She finds out some guy was taking pictures of her. Barb is still gone. No one believes her that Barb is missing. Barb has apparently just ran away. She sees the Demogorgon. Jonathan believes her about the Demogorgon, but Steve doesn't. She's now having these really weird feelings about Steve because she can only think about Barb because the one-track mind is like, but Barb, where is Barb? Where is my best friend? Where is my ride or die? The only person I care about in this world is actually Barb. Then she finds out it's a monster, gets sucked into the monster portal, sees what took Barb, and is like, I gotta save Barb from this shit. We know Will's alive, probably. So maybe Barb is too. She has that tiny bit of hope that is then finally ripped from her. And the only thing she wants to do is get vengeance. She's like, I can't. I have to finish what I started. She is out for blood. She is ready for murder. And Jonathan is so down bad for her in this moment. Jonathan is so down bad. It is the exact same way that Hopper looked at Joyce. Down bad for our murder girls. Down bad. Then... We have crime spree Hopper. We see them back at the lab. He's chopping up the fence again. I love how Joyce is like, this is going to work. And he's like, well, it worked for me before. Which again would have been two days ago. If even that. If that two days ago. Yeah, no, it would have been two days ago because it would have been Thursday night, Friday morning. Yes. So it would have been like exactly two days ago. Yes. Well, it worked last time. Then we have Nancy... And Jonathan being like, oh, we need to go get them their weapons. They don't have weapons. They don't think to bring weapons. They have all of that bear trap and bullshit, and they don't think to bring that with them to the lab. I mean, they would have to stop by the police station first to grab it. Right. But they don't think to make a pit stop and grab it. They just go straight to the lab to break in. Which means that Jonathan and Nancy 
sneak into the police station to grab that stuff. Yes. Which also did not tell the kids that they were leaving. Yeah, they just bailed they on those just children. They fucking bailed. They just were like, all right, bye, time to go. One track mind. Jonathan is now only thinking of Nancy. <laughs> yeah, Nancy said vengeance. Jonathan said, yes, my queen. And they just started moving. They are out of there. And so back to Hopper and Joyce. You think they... this, this is going to work? It worked two days ago. And then immediately caught. Immediately caught. They you don't, don't even think get that to the they front would... door. No, you don't think that they're going to have extra security on that spot that you broke into literally two days ago? My Which... brother in Christ. <laughs> Which part of me wonders if that was his plan. Yeah. And then the episode ends with the Demogorgon finding Castle Byers and Will. Yes. And that is how episode seven ends. We get a little shot of Will because we've confirmed that he's alive through 11. So now we get a shot of him in Castle Byers, Demogorgon coming for him. Big episode. <laughs> a lot just happened in episode seven and the cuts were quick. We were jumping from location to location. A lot of things were happening at the same time. Episode eight. Episode eight. We start Joyce handcuffed in the lab. Joyce, if she knew what happened with those kids, she would have been beating that man with the table. So here's the thing about all of, I just want to say overall, all of the scenes with Hopper and Joyce dealing with the people in the lab. Joyce and Hopper are just so much stronger than, like these people in the lab are spineless and slimy and you can just tell that Joyce and Hopper are in control here and everyone knows that they are in control here. Oh, absolutely. And then Papa coming in to Joyce. Oh my God. And the shadow and just, he is fucking scary, but Joyce takes none of his bullshit. She's like, sit your ass down. I did not live with an emotionally abusive husband and raised two kids by my goddamn self. For you to think you could do anything to me. I I am death become single mother. Um, and then he's like, there were six people. Sawi. I'm just a silly little guy. I didn't mean to. Yeah. Like, there's six. Well, and also being like, we need your help to, to stop, like, being like. And it, this is what I noticed. Sorry. I'm, like, all over the place thinking about this. But he says almost the exact same thing that he said to Karen to Joyce. Being like, we need you to help us. Like, the, whatever speech he says is, is almost the exact same. And Joyce is, like, having none of that shit. Joyce is she like, no, 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 is no. ready to fist fight him to the death. She's having 0% of it. Whereas Karen, I think, is starting to be like, I someone else take over. I'm well, exhausted. I think the the difference is that Karen doesn't know what's going on. Like, Karen does not know about Eleven and about the Upside Down, whereas Joyce yeah. knows about all of that. And Joyce is like, I don't fucking, like, I know everything. And I, I think Hopper kind of alludes to that, too, because he says, tell, tell us what you know. And he says, I told you everything. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And then I, I did love how we see Joyce, Joyce being able to scream at Papa, tell him off. And then we see Hopper gaining the shit beat out of him 
And I swear to God, Hopper could have said, I know you're a bitch, and I would have lost it. That's basically what he says. He no, exactly. He's like, I know everything about you. You're fucked. I know you're a bitch and I'm in charge. Exactly. No, Hopper, like Hopper runs that lab. Like, I don't even give a shit. Like, Hopper is stronger. Like, just the dynamic between the 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 absolute power that is those two characters compared to everyone in that lab, it just it's you can't even compare it because it's just so they have to be losing their mind they have to be going insane because then they're like who do you work for what agency are you with hawkins police force bitch but not even that he's just doing like he's eliminated the police force at this point he's just doing this yeah but like he's i work for the police i'm just the sheriff of some small ass town in indiana and i've unraveled your shit in a week you dumb motherfucker and then i was just thinking what what must it have been like in Nam with Hopper? Oh my god. Could you imagine how fucking terrifying that would be? Like the man, I looked this up, David Harbour is six foot four. Like, and you can see that when they're horrifying. walking down the hallway. He is head and shoulders above everyone. Joyce literally doesn't even come up to his shoulder. Winona Ryder does not even come up to that man's shoulder. No, she's a short queen and he is a tall king. And, and he, but he like the commanding presence, like you know that man is in fucking charge in that lab. It just yeah, oh god, it it's just one of those moments where it's like, I I was thinking about this a little bit. Would this make Hopper the barbarian of the D and D group? Um, I would definitely say yes, uh, especially with the barbaric rage he can fly into to like yeah up all the guys. He is. The barbarian. barbarian 100% so then we cut to the kids realizing they're alone and they're like all right I guess we're gonna go look for some chocolate fucking pudding yes and then Basically. so we're there's a lot of quick cuts here so then we go to Nancy and Jonathan and they're setting up to hunt which my favorite thing is they screw in all of those lights again those lights have been set up unscrewed taken down put back up again and the light bulbs put back and in. And then light bulbs put back, like, yes. so much. And then at this point, what time is it at this point? Would you it say, has to be... like, 3 a.m., 2 a.m.? Um. So here's the thing. Everything's happening in such quick succession. It's probably, like, 12.30 at this point because they're in the lab getting the shape, you know, getting into the upside down. They would have just left the school. So it's probably around 12.30, maybe okay. 1 o'clock. Because this is happening at the same time. It's not like it's there and then they leave. They do it which, at the same time. Which also means, I just want to point out, that means that Steve shows up at Jonathan's house at 1 o'clock in the morning to talk to him. Not considering his mother or anything. Shows yeah. up at 1 a.m. to talk to Jonathan. What yes. was he doing the rest of the day? Cleaning off the graffiti? That's fair. Okay. Um, but no, I do have a note right here where I'm like, this Saturday has gone on for years. This is such a jam-packed Saturday night. It could crazy. never. Okay, so then also, I just want to say, the bat is made. Yes, I have that. The bat with nails is made in this moment. They're trashing his house, pouring gasoline everywhere. It is the birth of the bat. put nails through the bat. And it is, it's that bat. It's that signature. It's beautiful. We love it. 
Um, I just ha- literally my next note is Hopper is so tall with four exclamation points. <laughs> yes. Then within that cut in that same scene, he is promising to say where Eleven is. He just needs to get a promise that the boys are going to be safe and they can all just walk yes. away if they say nothing. Yeah. He tells this to Joyce. Joyce is very go with the flow. Like, okay. I think what it is, and this is a note that I made, Hopper's military is showing. Like, this is no longer Hopper police chief. This is Hopper in the military. Get shit done. Listen yeah. to, I'm giving orders, like, at this point. Which it's really funny that you have that. Because the note I have is, you want to, like, you know those moments that you point to in life and you're like, I, I fucked up. I really goofed. And I can point to this moment that I really screwed up. And I was saying, this is that moment for Papa. He is realizing. Oh my God. Because that's the thing. They, yeah, they leave. They're walking out of the lab and we have that conversation with him and the other lady where he goes, they're not getting out. He assumes that Hopper and Joyce are going to die in the upside down. He thinks they're just going to die. Problem's going to solve itself. He doesn't need to kill them. And this is that moment where he can look back and he can point to it saying, I should have just killed him. You know that? You know what I want? I want, there's a shot where he gets um, attacked, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But I want that to go freeze frame and I want it to go, I bet you're wondering how I ended up in this situation. You know that? Seriously. I want that so bad. But with that one shot, oh, that'd be so funny. Okay, so I also wanted to know, how did they have suits that fit the two of them? Like, speaking of how tall Hopper is, how the fuck did they have a suit that fit him? I don't know. I don't know. But I would just like to say, if we can get this podcast really up and going, and this can be our full-time gig, I will get so into video editing and make these stupid edits that we keep dreaming about. (laughs) That is my promise. That is what I will start doing is I will make stupid video edits for everything we talk about. I'm going to make that fan cam to don't trust me for Hopper. I'm going to do stupid parody cuts of these of the very serious moments in this show. Oh, that'd be so you're going to show a demonstration of everyone walking at two times speed. Yeah, but it's going to be me walking at two times speed, acting it out. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Okay, so the military, everybody loads up to go get Eleven at the school. And I just want to point out, all of that is before the title sequence. Yep. Because now is the title sequence. I do think that they put it in purposefully late. I, I just, maybe, maybe you're right. Um, but then we get this stunning angle of the upside down where it starts and the whole camera rotates onto coming Mm -hmm. right side up to Joyce and Hopper in the upside down. And to me, it was like, that was, and I, they use that in season two as well. Some, and I think I love it every time I I love it. It's so good. It's, I just love that so much, but the other, the next thing we get is Hopper's first flashback. And we see it throughout the rest of this episode, but this is definitely the first one. And it's almost very cathartic because he gets to take care of these people in a way that he couldn't for his own daughter. 
Yes. And like we know that his daughter died and he's got this chip on his shoulder about it, obviously. And it's been haunting him, even if we don't know the full scope of it in season one. We do see that he had this wonderful little girl who got very sick and then dies. And we know that outcome. And we know it's terrible and tragic and it's cancer and awful. And we see throughout the upside down him taking care of Joyce and all of that. And this one really sets it up because it's him teaching his daughter how to breathe and just taking deep breaths and that, oh, oh my God, I love this. I loved the way that they did the cuts for his flashbacks. And you can also see the part of Hopper even more than like the being in Vietnam breaking him. You can see that this is what truly broke him to become a very isolated, sad man because the yes. this first flashback with his daughter, he's with his wife, he's happy, he's running around. Like he is very different than the way that we've seen him throughout this season. He's clean shaven. He's probably very yep. sober. And the stark contrast to how he is now, yeah. we can kind of see like, oh, he lost it. Every yeah. fiber of being he had, he is now gone. Mm-hmm. And then we cut to Nancy and Jonathan home aloneing this shit. We cut to hunting time. It's they have a home alone to his house. <laughs> and my my note here is: imagine if someone walked in on them while they were pouring the gasoline. What a weird thing to walk in on. I just also want to say. They just they do this classic thing where they give each other they they cut themselves along the palm of their hand. So unnecessary. So unnecessary and also not the best place to draw blood. Like let's be honest, you are not going to get a lot of blood from the palm of your hand. There are so mm-hmm. many other places to get a lot more blood that are not also then going to stop you from being able to use your hands. Yeah. Like terrible place to cut it it's so unnecessary and people do it in movies all the time and it's like this is not the right place There's and better i think it's places. Like, people think it's gonna be cinematic it's stupid it's stupid it's stupid oh and then my next note is i'm very over this romance it's boring i need them to move on already which one <laughs> to um nancy and jonathan like before they cut and like they're trying to have like this moment of like just do it they like patch their hands up and then they have this little moment where their fingertips touch and i'm like this is not the moment you guys other things moment. are happening get your one track mind back where it needs to be and out of the gutter and then, then steve comes steve. in he doesn't steve come in but he knocks at the door knocks at the door hey man i just want to talk it's late if i had to guess he was probably scoring booze from his dad's alcohol cabinet to get the courage to go say hi if i Maybe. had to guess if I had to guess, that's probably what I would have done. But Nancy so then Nancy goes. Nancy answers the door and he's like, what are you doing here? She's like, you need to leave. Like, it is time to go. And he's like, oh, did you get hurt? What What happened? Why'd you hurt yourself? And pushes himself in and he sees everything that's going on. And he's like, what the fuck? And Jonathan is like, I'm not asking. You got to get out of here. And then my favorite thing in the whole fucking world, Nancy points Pulls a, out gun a gun at Steve. At Steve, and then the Demogorgon pops up, and he's like, "Hey, I would love to join in on this party." He, the way he jumps over the trap in the hallway, 
Oh my god, Steve Trackstar. He's a runner. He's a track. He's star. a runner. He's a track star. He's so fucking funny. He is having a mental breakdown as all of this is happening. Honestly, the most realistic. Like, who would not be having the biggest fucking breakdown at that moment? He walks in. He sees Cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, Home Alone House. (laughs) Even Nancy's like, oh, my God, this is a shit show. He comes in. The lights are on. They have cuts on their hands. She's holding a gun. He has a bat with nails in it. Pointing a gun at him. The lights start flickering. A monster crashes through the ceiling. And they run jump over a bear trap smelling of gasoline in the hallway oh my god (laughs) out of like without seeing it this sounds like a parody of a horror movie (laughs) it does it really does oh my god i'm gonna start crying (laughs) it's so bad so then we cut back to joyce and hopper and then there's like another flashback for Hopper because I have that um, the shot where he's on the stairs, isolated and crying. Yes, I also and I was like, this out, is so beautiful, and I love it. He finds an egg, so the Demogorgon hatched from an egg. Yes, which is different than what we see in season two with the demo dogs. But those are demo dogs, not gorgons. Yes, so similar, but clearly a different. The Demogorgon is more reptilian, it seems. Yes. I would love an evolutionary flowchart for the upside Duffers? down creatures. Duffers? Duffers, Hi. if you could get could, on this, please. Please? I would. Oh, my God. Can you imagine? Actually, no I'm not asking. I'm telling. Pulls <laughs> out my gun. It is her birthday. It's my birthday. So... I like can you imagine like you know those making of like and all those things that they make for like the different like big movies and stuff can you imagine one of those but it's like the entomology of all the different stranger things and the timeline and the cre- like oh my god hey duffers? hey duffers duffers? hey duffy boys hey hey guys hey, hey bud it's my birthday hey. and I would love it love it love it love it love it love it if you would please allow me and Margot the eternal slumber party podcast to write this timeline do the etymology we will do it i want some royalties but we can hammer that up negotiations i literally I'm not even asking for much if i'm not honest even much honestly not even that much like the smallest amount honestly but like oh i want that so bad oh my god it would be so good so also they find castle buyers is destroyed mm-hmm. so they reach castle buyers from the lab castle buyers is destroyed he and this is where we get that flashback of his daughter dying, the crying in the stairwell while he's trying to remain so strong around her. It's really heartbreaking. She's not dying yet. She's just sick. Yeah. Because I think that's an important part. Because then we could jump back to the buyer's house in our world. Steve is losing his fucking mind. Nancy is just bad bitch left and right. She is not giving a shit about Steve and his little breakdown. She's basically, she's like, get out of here. Like, if you don't want to be a part of this, get out of here. He runs, which I think this is very, this whole scene makes me think a lot of the scene in season two when Billy shows up mm-hmm. and the difference, because it's the same house, same setup, same style car, but you have then Steve being on the other side of this. And is now that he's you, Harrington? The one. Yeah, don't yeah. cream your pants. Yes, um, that whole thing, yes. like... T- I always think of those two scenes with like this setup and the difference between them and just like 
how much Steve changes in that amount of time. But so Steve runs back. Steve runs to his car. He opens it up. He looks back and he sees the lights flickering. Demogorgon comes back. Lights all go out. Nancy shoots the thing. It is immune to bullets. This is the first time that we learn Demogorgon is immune to bullets. The outside skin is, but inside it can get hurt. I believe. Yes. But which outside I was skin so annoyed because even while it was like screaming, Sharpshooter Nancy keeps missing this huge ass target. And I, was I don't like, think she was annoyed. missing. I think it just was not. It wasn't doing anything because we see that later in the episode as well. Bullets don't do anything to it. So she was missing. Part of it was her missing because then she was able to, like, she hit it. It was like it was at least distracted, and then she ran out of bullets when it opened its mouth and screamed at her. Okay, so then it knocks Jonathan down. Yes, it drools on Jonathan's face. Jonathan is about to get devoured face first by the teeth flower, and in comes motherfucking Steve. Steve fucking Harrington. Harrington. Steve, the Hare Harrington, picks up that bat that got knocked out of Jonathan's hands and he fucking goes at this thing and he swings and he hits it and he, he, that, you know that shot, you know that shot, Mm. it's the shot I've been thinking about ever since we started watching this, where he takes that bat and he swings it and flips it around and then smashes it in and it gets caught in the trap and then they set it on fire. Which I was so stressed out. They would be burning their house down. That would have been an out-of-control fire in seconds. But also, I'm from Colorado, and fire scares me. Well, and that's the thing. when. So I noticed when they go back to the um, police station to grab the bear trap and everything, Nancy grabs the fire extinguisher. Yes, so they do extinguish So they do have a fire extinguisher. So they have, like, like a plan, but still very risky plan. And then while it's on fire, we cut. We cut to Joyce and Hopper walking into the house. Right. They're walking into the house. And you can see. The lights. You, you can see the lights light up where Joyce and Hopper are walking. And yes. Jonathan is like, Jonathan, there's something with the Byers family. There is something with the Byers family, which I think is going to feed into your theory about Will that we've talked about and possibly cut out. I can't remember. So much had to be cut from last episode. So I cut over 30 minutes out of that episode. Yeah, if anyone ever wants to know, like, oh, wow, these are such long episodes. There's more that gets cut. We we devolved last week into the timeline, specifically about the first night of this show. Anyways, I you made a comment about there being something along, same with Will, that's different, like there is with Eleven. Jonathan knows that it's his mom who is walking through in the upside down at the same time. There's something about the buyers that they they know something. They're connected in some way, shape, or form. Yes. Um, because I, I, and you're right because I did make the note that it makes me want to hang Christmas lights everywhere, especially in that weird hallway I have that doesn't have a light. Oh my god, do it! Get um, these old fashioned ones. It'd be oh so fun. <gasps> okay. So then we cut to the pudding. Then we cut to the kids. They find the pudding. That was a lot of pudding. Why would the lunch lady hoard that much? It's not good pudding. It's going to go bad. so funny to me. That beef they have with the lunch lady, so justified for this. I fucking... So justified. Dustin has his priorities in the right place. Learn how to make a sensory deprivation tank. 
find the fucking pudding that he knows is being hidden. One, two, three. What else are you supposed to do overnight in a in your school, though? Honestly, when all of the adults and teens abandon you. Yeah. So then we have the conversation with Mike and L. And at first, it's very sweet. Like he's trying to explain what pudding is, and it's like, don't worry, soon you're not going to have to just eat junk food and leftovers like you're a dog you'll have real food and eleven's like egos <laughs> she and fucking like, love those things yeah but like real food to which i'm like mike what kind of old ass man are you kid what kind of kid is like oh fuck yeah i just eat junk food all the time this is great she's probably eating like oatmeal slop grits like yeah, she probably poop. has the worst food in the lab. Like, let's be honest. Yeah. And then he's trying to explain the snowball to her. To a girl who doesn't understand what school is. Yes, and he is trying so hard to, like, I kind of like you. She's like a little crush, though. It's like, whatever. And she is just like, I don't I know I don't anything. understand. I grew up in a about? lab. Which I thought it was so sweet how he's like, yeah, you'll live with me obviously and we can either get you a bed in the basement or like i'll just move into the basement i'm down there anyway um nancy's your sister and she's like okay so are you my brother and he's like no 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 <laughs> no no i'm not your brother no and she's like why if nancy's my what she does not understand 11 is clueless like no clue what's going on so mike to prove his point and explain everything in the only way he knows how because words are failing he kisses her which again she would not know what that is she no her face she is like what the fuck did you just do to me <laughs> what is happening she, she wouldn't know what kissing the is most shocked she is just like like the, the look on her face is so funny and then the adults come in and i just have to know what is going through Papa's head in this moment? Because all I can think of is this is literally the equivalent of that one community gif where uh, Troy, Troy comes back in with the pizzas and everything's on fire. <laughs> yeah. So the military shows up. The kids start running. They find uh, the Brenner finds the, the pool. They find them in the cafeteria. Yeah. Um, and then they find them in the hallway. So this uh, here we are. So there are four people in front of Eleven. There's the mm -hmm. woman and three guys. And then there are either three or four people behind them. Yes. Which means that Eleven's kill counter is now up to either eight or nine. I will rewatch and see how many that she's at in that one scene. But here's the, what happens. Eleven, they get trapped and Eleven goes... No, we aren't. And here's the thing that is most insane to me. She does this without having, like you pointed out earlier, without having remembered anything about one. She makes them bleed from their eyes and their ears. And you remember who else does that? Which here's the thing. She also always gets the nosebleed. So I think that she's just squishing their brain. She is. And that's how she kills them. Yes. I don't think that that is an intentional thing to copy one necessarily. No, but with, along with the the head tilt to snap the guy's neck and then a very signature thing that we see in season four with all of the blood coming out of the eyes and the ears and everything. Yes. When they, Which, like all of that, 
we also see her little power stance as well mm -hmm. in this episode yes. that they use in season four as their yes. power stance. So it's wild to me that she's doing these things while having amnesia, not knowing any of this prior training. She just Which has means it. Some part of it is her body is remembering something which is why I think it's more that Brenner has suppressed stuff. I think that she just went through enough of a trauma that she repressed it. Maybe. Straight up, I do think that's what happened. Um, I don't know how trauma works to erase memories, but I think that she would have just... It is very common. It, it's a thing, not very common, but it is common in scenarios for people to go through traumatic things like car accidents or things like that and to come to and then be like, what happened? And for the person that it happened to to have no memory of up to like the day before. So it is very yeah. possible. And it's something that I hope that they, maybe they explained it in season four. I don't remember, but um, I hope they explain it in the last season. Yeah, or maybe when we're rewatching season four. But yes. yeah, maybe. So then after this, Eleven passes the fuck out. Like she has done a lot. She was already drained. She was drained even more with the bath. And now yeah. she has killed seven or eight people by squeezing their brains. Is looking rough. She passes out. They try shaking her awake and they cannot do it. And now we cut to Hopper and Joyce. They find the nest and the nest is yeah. in City Hall. I believe, right? Is that the building? Um, it may have been. I had to keep notes while watching. I had it in like the little media player. And for some reason, it got really small and I can't make it big again. That's a me problem. That's not a podcast <laughs> issue. I watched this on my TV. So I watch it in bed and while I'm at work, but I didn't while I was at work. If my boss is listening um, anyway, on your lunch break on my lunch break, I mean, so they find the nest. They find the nest. And, and then they yank that shit out of his mouth. That little vine tentacle. Not yet. Not yet. Not okay. yet. We are not there yet. So I just much want to talk about this part. We can't talk about it yet. Okay. Take it away. Literally so much more. Okay. So quick back up to the kids. Eleven comes to looking at Dr. Brenner. That's right. And the boys are being restrained and... And Dr. Brenner is basically like, you're sick and I'm going to cure you. I'm going to help you. You're sick right now and I'm going to fix you, which I think is talked about in a later season, but there's something significant with that. But she's going, no, no, Mike, where's Mike? And then there's a lot of blood. So Demo shows up. Demo buddy shows up. So... Now we cut back to Joyce and Hopper. They find Will in the middle of the nest. They find dead Barb, RIP Barb for the third time. They find Will. He has got something in his mouth, down his fucking throat. Into and they the, are his using stomach. flash cuts to Hopper's daughter being intubated and having CPR performed on her while they are giving Will CPR. Like they pull that thing out. We see So they his pull daughter. it out and he shoots it. He shoots it, and then we go back to the yeah. school. I'm so we yes, but I they, just want to talk about the intubation cuts with that because I'm wondering because it was so far down his mouth, but he wasn't dead. If the upside down was keeping Will alive, like barely well, so sustaining him, he could have only been in that scenario for an hour at most. Because remember, Eleven talked to him in the 
pool in the tub right. or in the in the bath he was in castle byers it can only at the most with how fast things have been at the most has been an hour later so but he at looked the most, rough as hell he, he looked rough as hell he was definitely not looking too hot and then he was taken and he had that thing shoved down his throat and the same way you have an um like you're intubated that is to save your life because you are on death's doorstep yes so i'm wondering if the upside down if that vine went into him and he was able to like, it he was like too out of it to like really stop it and that yeah. was kind of the last life for us because he also told l to tell them to hurry he knows he is close to death yes and i think part of it might be that it's simultaneously he it's keeping him alive but it's also making him a part of the upside down i think i think yes. like assimilating which the only reason that the demogorgon did not kill will when he found him is that nancy and jonathan and steve with the blood and then the school with the blood so the demogorgon went off to continue hunting knowing that will was yeah. close to death and wouldn't escape because I think the Demogorgon lives in the Upside Down, but he is not a part of the Upside Down. Not in the same way Will and Henry would be. Because I know there's a lot of parallels between Will and Henry and a lot of very interesting theories that I'll talk about when we actually talk about season four. Yeah, because you're going to have to tell me about those because I don't know if I know about those. But but that was the Demogorgon's nest. So that's the thing is what they walked into was the Demogorgon's nest. Right, but the nest it was is nesting there in the upside down so i'm yeah. thinking the upside down is its own kind of living entity and that's what was sustaining will and connecting him to the forest so now he's connected and he's like on life support and then they pulled that shit out and then we're seeing these flashbacks because will or not will joyce rips off her hazmat suit to give him mm -hmm. cpr as does hopper and we're seeing these cuts between his daughter dying and having all of the doctors trying to resuscitate her at the same time he is trying to resuscitate Will. Yes. Now, before that, we get the last scene with the kids in the school. Um, I'm pretty sure that happens after because then they're talking about how they're going to make it to the dance. No. So what it is, is they pull the tentacle yeah. out of Will's throat and Hopper shoots it. And that shooting noise of him shooting that cuts to the shooting in the school and the kids running to the science room. Yes. So they run into Mr. Clark's room. It's really cute that they know where to go. They go to Mr. Clark's room. Which it's honestly because that's probably the safest class they are in at any given moment. Yes. So they run to Mr. Clark's room. They're talking about how they're going to get to the dance and they're going to survive it. Yeah. The Demogorgon finds them. They try to use the wrist rocket. It's not working. It's doing nothing. It's doing nothing. And then all of a sudden the Demogorgon is slammed against the back wall. And Eleven is standing up. And she walks up to him. And she turns around and she says, goodbye, Mike. Yes. And she power stances, screams. The Demogorgon, something's happening. And everything turns into ash. And Eleven is gone. Yes. Which we know after season four, she banished him back to the upside down or killed him. One of the two. I think she kills this particular demo. But she but yeah, she's vanished. Went, I think she went with it back to the upside down because that's how she ends up in the upside down, I think. And Mike is fucking heartbroken. Yes. 
Oh, and now we have the hazmat. And now we I are... had those two things. Which okay. is fine. Yeah. The, the cuts are so fast. Like I And it is technically happening at the same time. It's it's all happening at the shit. same time. It's absolutely bad shit. So Hopper is giving CPR. Joyce is begging Will to come back. There is a part at the end of it. We're getting these flashbacks to his daughter dying. Hopper is just slamming his hand down onto Will. Like, yeah. and you can tell he's fully, he is only picturing his daughter at that point. He is slamming his hand down onto Will, trying to get him to come back to life. Will takes in a breath. Will comes back. Yes. So now we have a moment where everybody else showed up at the school. There's fire trucks, there's police, there's everybody. And Karen shows up to find Mike and gives Mike another big hug. The teens are still at Jonathan's house. Teens so Karen still house. does not know where Nancy where is. Where Nancy is. But she knows her son was at the school. There's dead bodies in the school now, by the way. Did you see the shot in, like, in the background of when Karen pulls up? There's like seven or eight bodies laying in the back covered. Yeah, and she just pulls up to her kid being a part of this. Like, holy shit. This woman went fucking through How it. How did she not lock him up? Like, Joyce Byers style. Like Seriously. So now Will is in the hospital. And he wakes up in the hospital. Joyce and Jonathan are there. Will's first thing, he's like so excited to see Jonathan. He notices the cut immediately and is like, are you okay? What happened? Are you hurt? His first thought is for Jonathan's well-being. And I, ugh. Will Noah is an angel, ate that baby. Scene. Noah Schnapp ate that fucking scene. No crumbs la left. All facts, Noah no printer. No, Amazing. Noah Schnapp, stunning. Um, like, Noah is, true, and that's what we talked about in the very first, like, if we think about it, he had all of, what, four scenes, maybe five in this show, and he, he is, is not the, in it for that long. He, he is the opener. Like that first scene where you have where he is being chased by the Demogorgon. And then also this scene, uh, some of the best scenes in this whole show, like hands down. It's just Noah is so talented and the rest of the kids really are too. Like, yeah, no, the kids fucking killed it. Oh, my God. Noah, though. Oh, my God. That performance is so good and then we have the four or the three boys sitting outside dustin and lucas are asleep mike is just sitting there it is probably 4 a.m at this point four or five in the morning also i want to point out the teens are there now so jonathan yes. is there nancy's there steve is there and is sitting next to fucking ted you know that steve is just like ah god damn it the things i do for nancy I love this woman. I would die for this woman. I'm currently <laughs> dying for this woman. But I also would like to think that Steve is just excited whenever he gets to be around adults and around parents. He's like, oh, my God, families exist. <laughs> I think it's also like he just kind of is along for the ride at this point. Like he's just going to follow them and figure out what's going. Dustin sleeping on Lucas is so cute. A little snoring, a little drooling. And then... Jonathan comes in and says he's awake and the way they wake up and Lucas is like, oh, why are you touching? And Dustin's like, oh, just they're great. I love them. And then they go in and they dog pile on Will and it's so cute. Okay, be gentle. And then you hear nothing but feral children noises as they are dog piling <laughs> on their friend. It's so good. It's so they good. 
are so happy to see him. He's alive. He's back. They're, he's just like, the Demogorgon got me. And they're like, yeah, we know. Which is such a cute callback to the last time they were all together. Yep. And also just being like, oh, so-and-so cried. We had a funeral for you. So-and-so cried at it. And then this happened. And then that happened. We and Nancy's kind friend. of a badass now. And yeah. <laughs> like, and then in the doorway, we have, yeah. we have yes. Nancy watching them be silly friends, having like the time of their life, being so happy. And then she has this moment of realization in her eyes she will never have that again and she turns and she leaves and then i had to stop the show for a second even though i was almost at the end because i was so heartbroken over the realization <laughs> the only person nancy has now is jonathan and that's a trauma bond that is not true friendship that's a trauma bond she has steve but we know season two gets a little rocky steve finds robin and they become silly, goofy best friends where they have those silly conversations. Yeah. But Nancy doesn't have that again for the rest of this series so far. She is alone and she does not have friends. She has Jonathan and only Jonathan. And that shit hurt. And oh. I had to stop watching it because I was so sad. And I was like, I really need her to find a friend because she's got no one. And then I was upset because I really want eddie and nancy to be friends because they're two little felons i also want nancy and robin to be friends because i think robin is equally as chaotic as eddie oh absolutely but there's something about eddie and nancy because i think that they both take out the last two words in that sentence and there's you're correct what... yeah there it is there's but... what you actually no. think so we see in season four when she's sawing off the shotgun she's like i think it's a felony but i won't miss and we think that Nancy is this perfect little do-gooder girl, and she is a fucking felon to her core. Meanwhile, oh, Eddie hotwires the car, but he is a soft little sweet boy. Oh, absolutely. And the I just think them... that those two get into. But I also oh, think that we are treated of like a Steve Eddie friendship. Eddie and um Robin would have been a really good friendship. We were cheated of a lot of things with Eddie, but I do think you are right. Robin and Nancy if they don't become besties i will lose my shit i there is also a theory about um eddie coming back yeah i'm aware but that's season four talk yeah well and the thing is when i went to the philadelphia fan expo they asked about it and like i know they can't say anything but joseph quinn did say he was not asked back like he he did say he wasn't part of it. He wasn't asked to narrate the audiobook. Um, I think he's supposed to start filming Gladiator or something soon. I don't know. I am not optimistic Anyways. about season four talk. Um, yes. So to round this out, Hopper gets picked up in a black car uh -huh. outside the hospital. And it is still Saturday. Sun has not risen. It's like, it's got to be like, I'm just thinking four or five in the morning. Um, at this I point. think. Uh, when did with the sunrise? I guess five. But like, the sun is still not out, not even done. It is still pitch black. Sun, sun comes up about 6.30 in the so, winter. So I would say yeah, like sure, about five. five. And then we get a hard cut to fast forwarding a month. Except not a month. It's actually six or seven weeks later because it's fucking Christmas. Like, I, I just want to point, so point that out. So it's December, but, and they have a Christmas tree up. 
But they don't say that it's Christmas. Well, no, because they keep saying Merry Christmas to each yeah, other. Yeah, but they keep saying Merry Christmas because it's probably the last time they're going to see each other before the actual holiday. I think they're hanging out before like winter break. Which is break. still the end of the... No, because they're going to see each other over winter break. Oh, they're just saying Merry Christmas. They probably have like family and shit you go do and see people. So you probably won't see each other until after. But I don't think that it's actual <sighs> Christmas Eve. I'm just... I thought it was actual Christmas. You know what? If you tell me happy, like, Merry Christmas, happy Christmas, Harry, happy Christmas, Merry Christmas, whatever the fuck, happy holidays. If you say that, if you say Merry Christmas to me once in December, that is not only on December 24th or December 25th, I'm going to call you out so hard. Okay. I mean, all I'm saying is that if we were exactly a month later, it would be December 12th. That's close enough. To be saying Merry Christmas? It's the 80s. They're not politically correct. They're not saying Happy Holidays. But they're also giving gifts. I don't know. I just... It just bothered me. That's all. That's all. Just bothered me. Fine, fine, fine. We know we know the duffers in yeah. their timelines. So, like... The second D&D game. Very sweet. Very healing. Yeah, so they're playing D&D again. Jonathan coming down. What's that smell? Have you been playing games or have you just been farting down here? They all hysterical laughter also they all agree mm -hmm. to do fireball they did so they all agree will is gonna roll a fireball he kills the they thessal hydra the and lucas is like that's it and he's like that was 10 hours yeah he's exhausted um i need dustin farted on spotify farted <laughs> dustin farted farted dustin farted <laughs> hilarious <laughs> peak comedy lucas eight so also i want to point out will is getting picked up by jonathan which is already isolating compared to the other boys like because the other boys are going to bike home already being isolated which we know that lucas lives across the street or like next door lives really i think close. he's like a street over or something like yeah that. but essentially they're next door neighbors so it wouldn't be unreasonable yeah. even after all of this um maybe after like the first month you might still have someone come pick you up, but yeah, Will lives pretty far away from Mike's house. So it's not unreasonable for this first month that he would have someone pick him up, especially after it's late. It's also it's snowy. Winter. Yeah. It's, it's dead of winter. So I get it. Yeah. Um, so then they're leaving and Nancy comes down and gives Jonathan a gift and is like, here you go. And then gives him a kiss on the cheek. And I'm like, girl, Steve is sitting right there. Like, right what there. the fuck are you doing? And it's a new camera from Steve and Nancy. Which is the weirdest way to end that circle of events. It's weird. I get it. Yeah. But it's weird. Here's the thing. I understand. It's supposed to be an olive branch, a peace offering, they are forming a friendship amongst the teens. That is how the Duffers chose to end the Steve, Jonathan, Nancy picture incident. And they were also planning on just having Steve end here. This was going to be the end of Steve. This was it. This was done. We were done with Steve. That, I, <sighs> I just have to say, that's the worst way I think that you could have ever possibly had a character arc in and they had some pretty shitty ones because usually when they decide they're done with the character they just kill them because that's what happened oh with god Bob. that's what happened with billy that's what happened with alexi alexi yep that's what happened with the russian plane guy i think he died right 
I'm pretty sure, yeah. But they just, when they're done with them, they kill them. So they can't come back and be fan favorites because I think they learned their lesson with Steve. People get feral for Steve. Except for fucking Eddie. Maybe they were yeah. just like, nah, f- because they probably No, they did they- not think Eddie would be that popular. They thought Eddie was going to have the response that Jonathan had. Which, the reason I know that I just don't think that they're going to bring Eddie back is because they killed him because they were going to be done with the character. They did not think that the fan reception would be so crazy for Eddie because there was a tarot deck, an official tarot deck released, and it had Bob as a card from season two. Bob did not include Eddie. I want that tarot deck. Holy shit. So would I, but did not have anything for Eddie. And it seems to be a complete, no one can understand why people gravitate towards Eddie so much. Oh my God, it's only $19 on Amazon. Yeah, I don't think it would be that expensive. Usually this kind of merch wouldn't be. But Okay, but this is how it's going to get expensive. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm I've de Oh, actually, there's a lot of Stranger Things tarot decks. Yeah. Anyway, while you're looking at that, my little soapbox here. Yeah. That's how they were going to end it. Season one does not set up Jonathan and Nancy in any sort of way except for a trauma bond and a very weird picture taking incident that they really do just gloss over. They really do just gloss over that fact. They never really address it. They never get closure on it. And then we jump into season two with that whole situation. Cool, great, cannot wait to talk about it. But that's just how it kind of ends. And then we have Hopper leaving the Christmas party. He like makes an appearance, shows up, pieces out. He and he grabs a bunch of food. Box. Yeah. He puts a bunch of food in a box. I want that Tupperware. That Tupperware is iconic, and I want that Tupperware. <laughs> he puts egos on top of the food in this box covered in snow. Yes. And while we assume that Eleven is in the upside down, yes. she has to be able to get that food in some way, shape, or form. And that is like the call, like that is the lights. For 11 is fucking Eggo waffles. It's fucking Eggo waffles. I love it so much. And then we have apparently not. See, this is why I think it's Christmas dinner because Joyce is making a whole big dinner. And and Will is like shaking presents. And like, that's why I think it's Christmas. Whatever, whatever. It's Christmas. <laughs> whatever. Oh, my goodness. Whatever. Oh my <laughs> the drama. God, I'm so mean on to you on this podcast. I'm <laughs> you're so it's, mean. It's very funny because you're not like you're really not. It's just we're focused talking so much more than we normally do, and so like it just comes out. <laughs> I'm just mean when I'm focused. No, that's not okay. You're not mean. <laughs> I really don't think you're mean. I think it's just. I think it's funny. I think it's really funny. <laughs> I just I get some things where I like I'll say them just like that. And we're like whatever, and I'm like Jesus Christ, that was so mean. Um. Okay. So Christmas with the buyers. Will's like, I gotta go wash my hands. He has these weird cuts with the upside down. So he he coughs out a slug. It goes down the drain, and then he looks up and he is in the upside down for a second. It kind of zooms back. out. We see like it flickers like lights where he's in the upside down. He's not. Mm-hmm. And then he goes back and he's just like, oh. nope, I'm good. Like, I'm good. Everything's fine. It's fine. And that's how it ends. 
very much teasing yes. a season two. Very much teasing a season two. There are unanswered questions. It's a very classic, like, there are some unanswered questions, but if it ends here and we don't get renewed, it ends here and we don't get renewed. Like, it's the classic how yeah. to end a season one. Which I will say, we kind of talked about this in our first Stranger Things episode, but this show has been written for binge culture because the more that you binge, like you binge it all and you don't notice like the new episodes because it each episode blends into the next one so well, but it's so bingeable and you can go back and rewatch it because each season blends into the next one as well. And it sets yeah. up for season two. Yeah. It, it truly is like, it's just like a long form movie, honestly. Like yeah. it's it's just except for episode seven of season two that I have problems with. Oh, I can't wait to get to the beef episode. Episode we have beef with. I um, have beef with uh, season two, episode seven. God, I can't wait. So yeah, wow, we we did it. We covered both episodes. If in case you can't tell. We really fucking love Stranger Things. This was fun. Um, we will be doing the rest of the seasons coming up here soon in the future. I have it timed so we can watch season three over 4th of July with our content of calendar. You're, you did our content calendar all the way out to July? Yeah. I, I don't even have my research done for next week. Oh my god, I've been researching like a madman. This is the other thing that we were talking about before where it was like, oh, yeah, I do the editing. But you do literally everything else, including our content calendar. <laughs> uh, you do the thing I don't want to do. And, and you that, do all of yeah. the other things I don't want to do. It's perfect. Which also that means if you have suggestions for things that we should talk about, whether it be movies, TV shows, books, any other topic, uh, send it to our Instagram or our email. Yeah, and Kirstie will look at it, <laughs> and I won't. I'll look at it. Send you a thumbs up, and you can find our Instagram at Eternal Slumber Party Pod at Instagram. Same on Threads. We are also Eternal Slumber Party Pod on Threads, and our email is Eternal Slumber Party Podcast at gmail dot and at gmail dot com. That's right. I forgot that part. <laughs> The actual email part is gmail.com. The actual email part, yeah. Eternal Slumber Party Podcast at gmail.com. Also, if you want to be our favorite people in the whole wide world, leave us a five-star rating and a review on whatever podcast app you are listening to us on. We would appreciate it a lot. It means it truly, like genuinely, honestly, it means the most to be... To we do text each other every time we see a new review. Or every time we see a new rating on Spotify. So it does go noticed and seen. It really would help us out if you gave us a five star. Um, if you are on Apple reviews, you can just leave a review there. If you use Spotify, then take a screenshot of your five star review, send it over to Instagram or to our Gmail. We will start reading those out once we get them. So if you want to be shouted out, if you want me to read your silly little review, the dumber the better. Um, we will read it on air. And if you're using Spotify, did you say that to send it into the email? Yeah, I just said that. Okay. I blanked out. I went I went somewhere. You were looking I, at the tarot cards, I understand completely. I added the Stranger Thing tarot cards to my cart on Amazon. Do it. And 
Um, and honestly, also just thank you. We're having an absolute fucking blast doing this and we we love it and we want to share it with more people. We want to, you know, see see how many new friends we can make from this. So yeah, um, tell us so- tell a, a few people about this podcast. See if they like it. Yeah. Um, thank you so much for listening. If you like us, send us to your best friend. If you hate us, send us to your worst enemy. And as always, have a great fish day or not. The choice is yours. I'm going to have to somehow cut 10 minutes or I'm going to have to cut 30 minutes from this again. (laughs) I think we'll be able to do that. Um, we, the royal (laughs) me. (laughs) 